Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined by Erica Wiggenhorn. She is an author and speaker and actually just spoke at our Cultivate Women's Conference. She lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her husband, two kids, and two dogs. Her latest book is called Letting God Be Enough, and today she is here to talk about the message of that book. Erica, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Taylor. So let's jump right in. Uh, Why do you think so many women struggle with feeling like they're not enough? Great question. I think we struggle with that because we live in a world that teaches us to constantly be comparing ourselves to other people, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So every time I open up my Instagram, I'm comparing myself how I look. Mm -hmm. I'm comparing my kids and what they're able to do with what other people's kids are able to do. I'm comparing the life that I live versus the life that somebody else lives. And by and large, we forget that Instagram is not always everyday real life. Mm -hmm. It's the highlight reel, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't post my Monday morning disastrous laundry room on Instagram, but I am going to post my family vacation or my sweet family pictures that I just had done when we're all looking our best. So I think social media has a, plays a huge part in that. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Um, I think the other thing that we are finding is in our culture, we as women, by and large, are told that there are certain responsibilities that we automatically assume kind of fall on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. Not that they even necessarily do, but for some reason we tell ourselves they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's a perfect example. Um, If you were to come over to my house, Mm -hmm. speaking of my disastrous laundry room, (laughs) okay? So if you were to show up at my house Mm -hmm. and you walked in my living room and I had 10 loads of laundry scattered all over my sectional in my living room, Mm -hmm. you would probably not think to yourself, man, Erica's husband is such a slouch. Like, why doesn't he do the laundry, right? Mm -hmm. Probably what you would think is, is Erica okay? Is there something going on with her? Like, why has she not been Mm -hmm. able to put her laundry away? Mm -hmm. We as women, we take that all on ourselves, right? It's all up to us to keep everything going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do, you know, depending on our family situation, it is more our responsibility than other times. But as women, we have a tendency to feel like we need to have our fingers in everything. Mm -hmm. And it's physically impossible. You're right. Yeah. Um, I catch myself apologizing for things and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't do whatever, fill in the blank today. And my husband's like, well, you don't really need to be sorry for that. Like, honestly, we could have either, either of us could have done that. And so it's one of those things of being able to figure out how can we share this well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how does regret and past mistakes play into these feelings? Ooh, good question again. You've got so many good questions, <laughs> Taylor. Uh, regret and past mistakes. I think as women, what we have a tendency to do, um, and I don't want to put this on all women. So Mm -hmm. let's just say what Erica has a tendency to do, and maybe you can relate, Uh Taylor. Uh, What I have a tendency to do is I sort of gloss over the things that I 
do well, mm-hmm. right? Like that, uh, just expected, right? Mm-hmm. I expected mm-hmm. of myself, I should just do that well. And I kind of gloss over those things. But the things where I mess up, those are the things that kind of get stuck in my soul and oh, I'll just ruminate over them and beat myself up over them. Mm-hmm. And I think the enemy knows this about us and he knows it works. And so he really likes to entice us to just keep playing those tapes of regret oh, and failure in our head. Just last night, I was thinking of something that happened four or five years ago. I'm like, why am I still thinking about this? Right? <laughs> Everyone has moved past it. Be done. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So why do you think the enemy works so hard to foster these feelings of inadequacy inside of us? Yeah, I think the primary aim that he is trying to do is paralyze us, mm-hmm. right? If I, if my hands are so bound and my heart is so bound in feeling like I'm not doing a good job, feeling like I'm not a good mom, I'm not a good wife, I'm not a good daughter, I'm not a good friend. If I'm so focused on that, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard for me to be open to receive what God has for me. Oh, absolutely. And it's also going to be really hard for me to believe that God loves me unconditionally mm-hmm. because I'm constantly telling myself all the reasons why God shouldn't mm-hmm. love me. And if we could really be free to receive God's unconditional love over ourselves, it would utterly transform our relationships, Mm -hmm. our homes, our ability to step out in faith and take on areas of service, take risks, Mm -hmm. share our faith, do all the things that the enemy does not want to see us doing. Mm -hmm. He wants to keep us quiet and and knotted up inside. Well, and it's a focus shift too. If he can get our focus onto anything except the Lord, then... That's what we lose sight of what this is really about. And we start thinking, well, what about me? Or what about impressing this person? Right. Uh, one thing we talk about in our women's ministry a lot, and our podcast listeners have heard us say this a thousand times, but what you think about grows. And so if you're thinking about the Lord, that's going to grow. But if we've shifted our focus onto ourselves or something else, that's going to grow and become a real distraction in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in writing your book, you spent a lot of time researching these fears of inadequacy. Um, So what do psychologists and thought leaders say about conquering these fears, and what does the Bible say? So what I found to be so fascinating Mm -hmm. when I first started researching this whole idea of a fear of inadequacy, Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. it really erupted for me personally um, right after my very first book had been published. And we were in Chicago at Moody Publishers. A friend of mine was with me. We were getting ready to go meet the whole team for the first time. And I suddenly freaked out. Mm -hmm. Like my stomach knotted up. I felt like little beads of sweat, you know, on the sides of my head. And I was like, I cannot go in. I cannot go in there. They are going to take one look at me and they are going to think, what were we thinking publishing this knucklehead? Mm-hmm. And they're going to take out my next contract and they're going to rip it up. And And my friend looked at me and she was like, you have imposter syndrome. And I was like, what in the world is imposter syndrome? I had never heard of that term before. And she was like, Google it right now. So I pull my phone out. You know, my hand is shaking because mm-hmm. I am so nervous to get in the cab and go to this, meet this publisher. And 
all the things that I was thinking about myself and feeling inside were exact, just right there in bullet points. Mm -hmm. And we got there that day and she was like, look, you're going to go turn around, march out this door. This is nothing but a lie of the enemy. And as I walked around the publishing house, I was trying to be, you know, confident and upbeat and be, be, act like I was so excited to be there, but inside I was so nervous and terrified. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we got back to the hotel. We went to bed that night and I laid my head down on the pillow and I just sensed the Lord in the quietness of my heart say to me, daughter, this was supposed to be a moment of celebration. And you allowed a lie of the enemy to steal it from you. Mm. How long are you going to keep living like this? And I knew in that moment, if I did not really bring this to God and allow him to kind of unpack it for me, I was just walking in flat out disobedience. This was not what God wanted. And so I began researching imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating about it is what modern psychologists and thought gurus and, you know, people much smarter than me, Taylor, Uh uh what they say is, you know, you need to kind of unroll your resume and you need to go over your past successes. You need to look yourself in the mirror and give yourself a pep talk each morning. Tell yourself you're enough. Tell yourself you're enough. I'm Mm -hmm. enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. Um, And not that that is terrible advice. It's not bad advice because we do need to retrain that whole mindset yes. mindset shift. Where God does not want us constantly telling ourselves how terrible we True. are. Absolutely. Um, you know, that doesn't honor God either. It's kind of like telling God when he made us, when he formed us, like you made a mistake. You didn't do a very good job, God, mm-hmm. when you made me, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't honor God either, but it's inadequate advice. To overcome a fear of inadequacy because it doesn't change us from the inside out. No. There's no power behind Well, and that. I'm not enough. Only exactly. God is enough. And Amen. I have to get my focus off of myself. Amen. And mm-hmm. it, it's exactly what Jesus said, right, in John mm-hmm. 15. Apart from me, you can do no thing. You can mm-hmm. do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I began to just seek the Lord and say, where in Scripture do do you speak to this God? Like we see so many of your saints that are afraid and you tell us in your word more than anything else, do not be afraid. Absolutely. So this is obviously something you don't want for any of your daughters. And so as I began researching, I came across Moses. Mm-hmm. And at the end of studying Moses, I was like, he is now won the title of greatest self-doubter in the Bible Why because he flat out argues with God. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's like, no, God, you're wrong. I mean, like, think about that. Like, And then he plays that, well, what about so-and-so? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he prefers to defer, right? Uh-huh. Like, hey, um, okay, but maybe Aaron would be a better choice. I know you see all of time and everything that's going to happen, whatever, but like, have you considered Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh-huh. exactly. It's crazy, right? <laughs> But what I realized in studying that whole encounter is that is exactly what God does with Moses. He doesn't unroll Moses' resume and give him a bunch of props and go, Mm -hmm. look, buddy, you got this. And this is why I chose you. It's because you're great and you're awesome. He doesn't do any of that. Mm -mm. He basically just takes Moses' chin and tilts his head and says, dude, you're looking at the wrong guy. Stop looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. and start looking at me. 
because I am God and I am enough and you need to let me be enough. Mm -hmm. And really, I think that's what God is saying to all of us is I I never asked you to be enough. I just asked you to believe me. Mm. And if we could just wrap our minds around the fact that we can, you know, it's like such a tired old adage, but it's so true. Let go and let God. Mm -hmm. He's got a good plan. He does know the end from the beginning. He knows how he made you and he knows why he made us that way. But he definitely does not want us walking in this constant feeling of we're terrible, we're letting everyone down, we're a failure, we're not doing a good job in any way, shape, or form. That is not of God. No, because that's really going to hold us back from continuing to go forth in what he's called us to. Absolutely. Think about when the Israelites were wandering in the desert. I think it's in Deuteronomy. Um, They were at this mountain and they had been camped there for a while. And God was like, it is time to get up and go around this mountain. Like we're done sitting here. And I think that applies to so much of our mental life and our thought life as far as we're done camping out on these thoughts of I'm not enough. I can't do this whatever, it's time to trust God and move forward to what He's called us to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how has God worked in your own life to overcome this fear? Great question. You know, I want to piggyback on something you just said there because I thought it was really powerful. That whole idea of camping out. And I think what we do a lot of times with God is we we say, okay, I'm going to stay right here until you change my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go around the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And God, what God is trying to get us to do is to realize it's not about our circumstances. It's about Him. Mm-hmm. And He wants us to step up and step out in faith in the middle of the circumstances, because that's when he does his greatest work. Mm -hmm. And that was really a huge thing that he said to Moses, you know, when Moses is like, you know, um, I'm so not the guy for this job, God. And God was like, "Um, yeah, you're not. I didn't pick you because you were the guy for the Mm -hmm. job. I picked you because it's my plan and I chose you, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly what Jesus said to his disciples. You didn't choose me. I chose you that mm-hmm. you would go and bear fruit. And in that moment when Moses is arguing with God, essentially that's what God promises Moses in Exodus 3. He says, when it's all said and done, we're going to come back on this mountain and you're going to worship me here. Or some translations will say, serve me. Mm-hmm. It's that Hebrew word, abad. And it basically, what God is promising him is he's saying, look, if you'll just get up and move and let me be God in this situation. If you will just follow me, Moses, you're going to witness my wonders. Mm-hmm. So God was, he was going to be used of God. And in that process, he was going to have an intimacy with God and an experience with God that would cause him to fall down in worship. Mm-hmm. And I think if we could just keep that in the forefront of our minds, like the things that God gives us to do are hard. They are beyond us. They are, it takes God to serve God, right? Yes. If we'll just follow him, we will witness wonders. And if we refuse, if we just stay right there in the camp and we won't go around the mountain, we're going to forfeit incredible opportunities to see God work. And and we will be so sad about that when mm-hmm. we get to glory and we realize what we missed out on because uh-huh. we wouldn't move. 
Yeah, man, that's good. So what encouragement would you offer to the woman who's currently struggling with feelings of inadequacy and not being enough? I would really encourage you to get in the Word of God Mm. and study Moses and read Moses from the perspective of, you know, we we often read Moses from the perspective with the guy with the big staff that parted the Red Sea, you know, and he's just this larger-than-life heroic figure. Mm -hmm. But when you really unpack Moses' life, you know, here was a guy who thought he had a call of God on his life, so he... Uh, stepped out. He tried to deliver the people. It was a disaster and an epic failure. So he runs away to obscurity. Then God appears to him. He argues with God, tells him all the reasons why mm-hmm. God shouldn't choose him. I mean, this is this is not a strong, confident leader the way he often is in the little flannel board pictures uh-huh. in Sunday school, right? I mean, this guy, he's, you know, he's he wants to hide in the back, right? Like he's shoving Aaron in the front. You know, God says, you're going to go and Aaron can talk, but you're going to do the miracles. But then when they get there, he lets Aaron do everything. I mean, this is not like in the beginning of his life. He's not like a model for Mm -hmm. us to follow, right? Kind of a, here's what you shouldn't do. Yeah, he's like the poster boy of man who argues with God, right? Uh We don't want to be like that. Uh, And so get into the word of God and study Moses Mm -hmm. and realize a lot of these things that we are feeling and we are facing, it's part of our human condition. And it's part of the way the enemy comes at us because he knows it works. Mm -hmm. But when we can unmask his lies and we can begin to identify them before they start taking autoplay in our heart and our head, Mm -hmm. we can begin to silence those lies of the enemy and instead dwell on the truth of God, that he is with us. He finishes what he starts. He equips those that he calls. He knows the end from the beginning. He has a plan. And no human is awesome enough to mess up divine plans. True. So we just take that weight off your shoulders right now. Exactly. Right. Like we're not, we might mess up, but we're not going to mess up God's plan Mm -hmm. because he's just entirely too big for us to ruin his plan. Oh, absolutely. Earlier you mentioned you had a friend that was with you that had to speak truth back to you. What role would you say community plays in overcoming fear? Community is massive in overcoming fear because when we begin to play those lies of the enemy in our head, Oftentimes, we are going to need that community member, that sister in Christ, Mm -hmm. that brother in Christ to go, oh, hold up. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. A lot of times, too, for for some of us, when we have been playing the same lie in our head for years and years and years, and maybe it's even a lie that we had a parent or a teacher or someone who was in, in authority over us when we were young and they were the ones that spoke that lie over us, it can be very difficult for us to discern that mm-hmm. it's a lie because we've mm-hmm. just lived with it forever. So community becomes huge. Uh, one of the things that I will often say is that, um, you know, the the hisses of the enemy are the loudest when we're alone. Yeah. And when we are surrounded and in community with other people, it becomes much, much harder for him to be the loudest voice. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and you have to be willing to take that first step to voice those thoughts because it's not like I could just interpret what you're thinking and be like, oh no, Erica, that's not true. This is what God says. Like, don't believe that about yourself. You would have to voice to me that you were thinking that. And so part of that is having somebody that's willing to go first. So maybe mm-hmm. if you're listening, you know there's a lie that you're believing and you need to grab that friend and say, I'm believing this and I need you to speak truth into me because you've got to take that first step. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that the enemy often does is he often gets us to believe that we're the only one. Uh We're the only one who thinks that we're the only one who feels that the only person that struggles. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me with my imposter syndrome, I thought this is just a unique to Erica thing because when I looked around, I didn't see anybody else that seemed to like get their stomach in knots when they had to walk into a room with people they didn't know or, mm-hmm. you know, they had disappointed someone or they were going to have confrontation. I felt like I was the only person on the planet that struggled with those things. And it wasn't until God began to get me into his word and help me unpack how he dealt with Moses in this whole situation And I started talking about it with other people. And then I realized how all-encompassing it was. Like Mm -hmm. I would just meet woman after woman who'd be like, oh yeah, I think that too. I worry about that too. I feel like that too. And it was like, oh man, like gloves off. Like we are tackling this lie right now Mm -hmm. because this is so pervasive, but everybody feels like it's just personal. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, thank you for sharing today. Um, I'm so excited to dive into your book. I'll put that link into the show notes for our listeners who want to read that. Um, I don't know if you know this or not because you're a new guest to the Equip podcast, but every episode we ask our guests, what are they loving and what are they learning? Ooh, okay. So what I am loving right now is I, and this is going to sound so crazy, but I am loving the book of Ezekiel Taylor. It it sounds a little crazy. I won't <laughs> lie. <laughs> uh, I have just finished studying that book for a year and a half. Wow. And what I am realizing in that book is how relentless God's love is for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And I am loving that because so it is allowing me to rest in ways I have not been able to rest before. Are we maybe going to get to see the fruits of that studying in a little bit? Uh, Probably. I hope so. I'm hoping so. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you learning right now? Right now I'm making a, a point to learn all about Lexington, Kentucky, because my daughter is moving there in August for oh, college. That's a, that's a far trip from Arizona. It is a far trip. And here's just a little, uh, Little trivia tidbit. It's probably not going to change anybody's life but mine. Mm-hmm. But there are no direct flights oh. from Phoenix to Lexington. So it's an all day. Maybe we thing. can get one of our listeners on that if we have anybody yeah. that has control over that. We, we yeah. could get any, something on that. Anybody, like some FAA person. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know who could we, do we that. We got to get this mama to see but, her baby. <laughs> but we really need to do something. I love it. Well, Erica, thanks for being on the Equip Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. 
And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.